Imagine all of your professional or career goals coming true, and you built a business that had a great brand and employed hundreds or thousands of people. But within a span of a few short years, it was completely gone. That's what's happening in American business these days, and we want to know why. Welcome to Brandology, where we review the rise or fall of some of the greatest brands. Your brand is everything that matters. It's your culture, finances, marketing, and leadership. It's your brand. Protect it. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, David Morrow, and alongside co-host Mark Mosher, we will be exploring stories of great brands. Throughout this series, you'll hear directly from people who have succeeded in leading, learn about what works, and their methods of developing a successful brand. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow. That way you'll get notifications when episodes, resources, and content get published. Thanks for joining. Thank you, David, for being on the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Brandology Podcast. Uh, today's special guest is David Inman, and um, I, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you lending the voice, David. Absolutely. Thank you, David. I uh, Once you invited me, I went and checked out some of your other podcasts and listened to the Leadership and Social Justice yeah. Man, first you've got you've got a podcast voice, <laughs> but also the interview is right. awesome. So I'm excited about this. Great. Well, he's a fascinating guy, kind of like yourself. I mean, we're we're really trying to identify the the people that really make it a podcast that we ourselves want to listen to. Like before we publish one, I'm listening to it, and I want to make sure that I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's great. Excellent. Well, let's let's maybe just kind of start at the top and, and level the playing field so everybody knows. Um, maybe if you could just give us an idea just on what your organization is and, and how you kind of fit into that and what it is, what your role is. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, probably a little bit more of a, a complicated question than <laughs> it's meant to be. <laughs> so I, I'm a full-time trainer and coach with Sandler Training by Trustpoint. So we work with Indianapolis companies and, and I'm one of the trainers here. So I do the group training, individual training. And during, during the pandemic that we've been going through over the last three months, I've trained a little over 400 people on how to do digital type aspects of sales, meaning like LinkedIn, uh, email, video, uh, different ways of, of reaching out when you're maybe stuck at home, right? Things that they probably should have been good at before, but just haven't put enough effort into it. In saying that, though, I also a, a couple of years ago, I, I've helped with a couple startups that I'm I'm very excited about and and still working diligently on. So there's a, a couple organizations that that uh, that I fit into and that are fun to talk about. Oh, that's great! Yeah, and I'll I'll uh, interested to hear more about that here in a little bit. So maybe tell us. Uh, that's a great high level overview. Appreciate the summary. Um, so maybe how how does your career progress? To, to get you here, to get you into this role? In a weird way. <laughs> so, right, that's always a great story, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It started off, I was working retail sales out of college in, in a mall, right? Like the most retail sales you can possibly get. And I just wasn't making money. <laughs> and I had met a girl that, and she's beautiful, I wanted to marry her, and just didn't feel like I was, I was doing enough to really actually start a so did some research, got on Google, did a little due diligence and, and found Sandler Trustpoint and I hired him. So I started off as a client 
And it, it was amazing what happened. I mean, I'm, I'm talking two months into training and suddenly my income doubled and I became the top salesperson in, in the country right, for this wow. company. So a huge transition that led to a lot of other great things that the girl that I had a crush on, we did end up getting married. We now have four kids. Hey, um, but so that was kind of the, the beginning <laughs> of the journey. Uh, fast forward a couple years and I was reading a book it's called Team of Rivals. It's about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, during this time, we were pregnant with our second. We just bought our dream home. Things felt like, I mean, living the American dream. And this book just made me feel like I wasn't doing enough. And I wanted to, I wanted to do something more. So I quit my job and joined the Air Force. So that's, wow. when, the, that's when things got real, <laughs> real weird. As um, most so, people do when they're when they have on their second child and already have a mortgage it's right when they that's and... when they usually join the military right not when, they're, yeah. not when they're going through school for ROTC or when they first get out of college they do it yeah it wasn't the they're usual path so that's great tell us about that yeah so in the air force uh, i i worked in mental health and it was not that was not my background it wasn't even necessarily my strength but but the air force has you do testing and then they say, okay, this is where you're going. <laughs> so that's where I went. And it ended up being one of the best things that could have ever happened to me. I, I testing wise, have kind of a low empathy score. I don't, I'm not necessarily always very good with others' feelings, right? I'm a, I'm a hard driver. I just want to get things done. And spending four years of, of really learning what people are going through, some of the different struggles people have and, and how they deal with that help changed the way my mind works, uh, which has made a big difference now that I'm a, a trainer and a coach. It also was just an incredible experience to see the, the type of sacrifice that that people really gave to make sure that our country can stay as, as awesome as it is and, and hopefully continue getting better. That's excellent. I mean, that that is just something we've, uh, I was raised in a family with all kind of all men and we did not ever get the chance um, or make the commitment to serve, but my dad's best friend and our families, all of my brother's friends and most of my friends have all had military experience. And so it's just something that we just kind of um, almost knock ourselves for not having done. You know, it's just yeah. something that, you know, just for self-development, you know, and I look at, you know, I've got four kids also, they're older, um, but I, um, I, I look at them and I'm like, you know, two of them could have used it maybe. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, a couple of them might have might have used a little discipline and a little self-discovery. But uh, that's yeah, my, my family and I are always going to be grateful we had that time. Now, during that, that's when I told you about kind of the, the startups at the beginning. I missed I missed business when I was in the military. And, and I also had to have an outlet of, you know, in the military, you do exactly what you're told, which wasn't right. one of my one of my strengths. It was good for me to learn a little bit more of that discipline but I also needed an outlet. So my dad ended up starting a company. He's, he's an art, he's one of the greatest artists in the country actually, Bill Inman. And he was teaching small classes, more and more people wanted to be a part of it. So we teamed up and we built Master Oil Painting, which has since grown now, we've got about 37,000 students. Uh, so it's grown into one of the largest online art training companies there is. It was an awesome way to be able to really learn what, what marketing looks like. I was in charge of the the web design, the marketing, the sales for the company. And, and it's it's been just a blast to be there from you know ground zero on up. 
Um, and then at that same time, I, I had a group of friends that we got together and we, we started uh, um, the Flipping Millennials, which is a, a house flipping crowdsource funded company. Uh, another just great experience from, from ground up, building the website, running the marketing. So lots of experiences there, all of which kind of helped me in my role now as I, as I move forward into this. So those are two great points and I wanted to, to, to make those as segues because that was two of the things I wanted to ask you about. First, so my mother was an oil painter and she never um, commercially um, um, sold her paintings, but um, they're real, I mean, they're, they're pretty high quality and, and a lot of people have asked to purchase them and things like that. What, how did you come up with an online oil painting class and then brand that how did that i mean not only how i mean how did you get that idea and then how are you executing on that if i'm a student and i want to learn oil painting you know i mean my mom put me through those classes when i was young and we would go saturday mornings there in person the artist would come in back of you show you how to do the stroke how to use the 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 pastel like how, how do, it was all oil painting so how to use the 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 knife and and uh as well as all the various, you know, blending of the colors and things like that. Yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that, uh, a lot of that is just credited to my dad. Excellent. He, he's always loved painting. I mean, obviously he's, he's been a professional artist my entire life selling through galleries and learned over time how much he loves sharing that with others and, and teaching them how to create their own artwork as well. So for a while he was, he was a professor uh, actually at the Ball State University where I went, he he taught local classes. He, he did everything he could to be able to find different ways of, of sharing and teaching this with others. And it just didn't, he constantly had more people asking than he could get to, right? He, he was, it wasn't possible for him to train everybody that was wanting to learn from him. So it just seemed like the internet was the, the perfect avenue to go with it. Sounds um, like a natural progression then. Yes. Because he yep, had the absolutely. skill set and he had the um, compassion and experience in, in teaching others his skill set. And then the, the point was, is how do we productize that or package that in a way that disperses it wider? Yes. And the number of people that were reaching out to him that, that couldn't afford regular art training. I and mean, if you're going to be trained absolutely. by a professional artist, you're looking thousands and thousands of oh, dollars. Yeah. Right. Yep. which is is worth it right it, it's it's well worth it if if you have a passion for art but it's also impossible for a lot of people so by being able to make this something that we do streaming online and, and he's got some that are recorded he does live classes workshops so that you get the full experience i mean at a very small fraction of the price to just open it up to now it's worldwide we're in well over 100 countries that wow you know everybody can come and train with them so it's just such a cool experience oh, that's fantastic that's, that's really cool. And then tell me about the flipping millennials. Because we, you <laughs> so know, that was actually chance we get to knock your generation. We absolutely will. But also, <laughs> um, I'm totally teasing, obviously. But um, but really, tell me about the uh, the how did you crowdsource the house flipping phenomenon, which is so popular? <laughs> yeah. So this was uh, I had a couple friends. One was a realtor, mm -hmm. and then the other is a general contractor. And they were doing things together, going and, and, you know, buying and flipping and selling houses. And 
they just saw how much opportunity was in that. So they pulled it me in to help with, I helped build the website, figure out some of the, the digital sales aspect of it. Um, and there was just a ton of opportunity in that area, just being in the right place at the right time. And we followed kind of a unique, and this, this wasn't even me, I agreed with it, but I'm not the one that came up with this idea. They followed a unique way of crowdsourcing instead of going and getting loans for everything that was done. So it's been a zero loan. There's never been any loans in the company. It is, it started off with friends and family and then grew from there. I've always really wanted to be involved in like this. I know there's a lot of opportunity. I just don't know how to do it. So they're able to then invest into a particular property and then see the profit that comes from that flip. So it's just been a, a unique model that that I thought was awesome. It's been just a fun thing to be a part of. That's great. If you if you had to boil down, kind of what's the what's the per like your dad's organization that website, the purpose it sounds like to that is to spread or to level almost the ability to to learn oil painting, right? I mean to 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 spread it globally, right? Because one man can't be physically in the same room with all those people. What about what would be I mean, first of all, is that accurate? Does that seem to make sense in terms of what their purpose is, what, what your dad's kind of cause is there to, to kind of share his his love and passion for, for oil painting? Yeah, the tagline we came up is where happy people learn to paint. <laughs> so it's yeah, just, perfect. it is based on how, <laughs> can we, how can we spread the joy of work? That's excellent. So, okay, fantastic. And then, and I'm asking along the lines of, you know, Simon Sinek and start with why and, and what's the purpose, the cause, the reason, People get up in the morning and why should anybody care and and yeah. uh, the flipping millennials how did you like what's the what's the cause what's what's the why for, for that organization because I think I know but I don't want to put words in your mouth the why was at first it was just that fell into it right it just happened but the reason we kept going with it is because of how many, and it, again, it started with just friends and family. It was a number of friends and family that said, this is amazing. I've never had opportunity like this. I've always wanted to be a part of this. And this makes it so that I can finally uh, invest in a property, right? That's an exciting thing to be able to do when it's not just buying your own house. And it just, technology has made it so that we can make that possible for a lot more people. That's great. So I guess that would be, that would be our why is being able to make that, you know, that exciting new investment, something that normal people can actually do. And then do a lot of people, do you share ownership in the project? Is it like, does everybody get a percentage or an ownership when they go in and they get online and then they invest? So if somebody wanted to get yeah, into the so, flipping without having the skill set, but they had a, you know, five grand that they had saved up and they want to dabble in it? Yeah, great question. So it is, it is not that they're investing in the flipping millennials. It is investing into that property, right? So they go and if they put five or 10,000, they own that portion of the property. So once the flip is complete, they get that plus any amount of profit based on their ownership. And so risk, very, right? And very risk, simple. Like if, they, if they, right, if the plumbing is bad and it winds up being over budget and there isn't profit, they take the risk just like you would if you were physically doing it, but they don't have to uh, show up on a Saturday with overalls and bang a hammer. Yeah, and that's actually something, and this is, this might even be risky to say on this, but 
my my business partners just i think because of the way it started again with friends and family they've absorbed a lot of that risk which their lawyer was iffy about but in saying that if somebody invests five thousand they're guaranteed to get that back right so even if they take a loss on the property you get your investment back there just may not be profit on top oh that's of that. that's great. so that's great yeah that's great so far it hasn't been us <laughs> right. we'll see it's been three years it sounds like you've got a lot of irons in the fires and a lot of things I, I hear a lot of passion about. Are there any other really key initiatives that you're working on today or planning for the future that you're excited about? Anything I work on, I kind of go, go at with three ideas in mind. I need to be able to learn something from it. It needs to be something that is valuable to other people. And I need to be having fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm real. If, if I'm not enjoying it, if I'm not learning something and it's not bringing value to other people, then I typically move on. Right now with, with those and with math, with uh, working at, at Sandler Trust Point, I mean, this is, this is my dream job. I wake up every morning absolutely stoked with what's on my calendar. I love what I do. I love the people I help. I love the opportunities that are available in it. So most of the, most of the opportunities and things I'm working on are surrounding one of those three right now, either either the Flipping Millennials, Master Oil Painting, or Sandler Trust Point. So I'm, I'm working on several things with um, some of the chambers in town and some of the different local organizations, but it is, it is all in supporting those efforts right now. That's excellent. Can you give us a little background about what the Sandler model is? Because we've gone through it, I'm familiar with it, but some of the listeners may not. Yeah, absolutely. So it, uh, real quick background, it started with David Sandler. This was, uh, this is not a, a new business. We're actually the world's largest sales and sales management training company. So it started with David Sandler who had very little natural ability to sell. He was actually a terrible salesperson and, and he was desperately trying to find a way to be able to make things work. And through that and, and studying psychology and business process, came up with a way to not only make it so that he could keep up with everyone else, but, but far surpass everyone else that he was around. So it, be, it became kind of the, the Sandler methodology or the Sandler process, which are, are seven components to what we, we call it the Sandler submarine, but it's seven components to a sales process. Uh, essentially, so that if, if you can follow this process, doesn't matter how naturally strong or, or naturally weak you are in these areas, you can be successful in sales. So we'll take, we'll take people that are, are good at sales and we'll help them become incredible, right? By just being able to figure out how to follow a, a process for your sales. So it's about, it really applies to almost any industry then, right? Because every industry has to have sales. And I know some people don't like salespeople. And I think that's because there's a, there's a, misinformation view that people are trying to take advantage of someone else or it's like a you know a car salesman you know you always hear that phrase but my experience my my dad kind of built a business from nothing and and he was the head of sales he was the CEO of the company but he was also the head of sales and he was always about being involved in the community providing value up front and if, if, if it's not something that he himself would buy or would benefit from, he wouldn't be involved in it, right? And he always had to enjoy what he was doing. It sounds to me like yes, it's absolutely. very aligned. And I 
think that's where it's important to draw a distinction between transactional sales and exactly and, and being a and trusted transformative advisor. sales right transformative sales, absolutely like a, like a service or a, it can be a product but it's not about something that just comes out of a box it's more about you know helping an organization develop and identifying their goals and then how do we remove obstacles for them so they can reach that yes so so I think technically this process could be valuable in any type of product or sales environment, but it depends on how you're wanting to go about it. When I brought up the example earlier of working in a retail environment, retail is as transactional as it can possibly get, right? So Absolutely. typically people would see that as not a good fit, but I learned it, I went into it and, and became the top in the company, right? So you can you can make it work, but you you also probably heard I didn't stay there, right? Because right. even though it worked incredibly well, coming at it from a, a, a value-based process-oriented sales method compared to transactional, it wasn't supported by the company. They didn't like the way I was selling. They did, one of the things they really didn't like is that I was willing to say no to a, a prospect, right? That no, our, our product is not a perfect fit for you. Let me make a recommendation to someone else. That's not something that's a fit in transactional sales. Yeah. So if, right. if you work in an area that says, no, you have to sell to every person that walks through the door, no, we're not a good fit for you. That would be a terrible place to be saying of selling. We do that all the time. And if my boss is listening, if we, I'm sorry, but we, we, we do that all the time because it is really, it has to be the right fit because for it to be a success long-term, and I think it depends on how you view business. Right. Again, I go back to Simon Sinek and it's not him personally, but it's it's that belief and it's that whole mindset and that whole group of Gary Vee and all of those people and 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 that and that platform that that they've developed that I absolutely could not agree more with. Like it's, you know, business is not there's no winning the game of business. When I hear companies are like, oh, I'm number one, I'm like, what metric are they pulling out? right? We could be, anybody can be number one in anything like number one this month, this quarter, what's the metric? Like, and, and it doesn't matter. I mean, when we look at, you know, the Dow Jones and, and how, you know, a large percentage of all of those companies in that index, those companies are like less than 30 years old. Like we're really good at building companies. We're not really good at keeping them going. And so how do we understand that the game business is infinite? It is something that is to preserve and to go on and on and on and not just to, you know, be short-sighted and, and, and finite mind. Which is, at least in my opinion, built from trust. Absolutely. Right? It, is, it is not yep. necessarily yep. having the best product. It's trusting that you'll help me figure out a solution for my problems. Mm -hmm. A really simple example, I just installed a fence in, in our backyard. I've, I've got four kids, right? So I had to have that fenced in. And I had several companies come out and quote it. And one of the companies came out and he looked at it and said, man, I gotta tell you, I mean, we can do it, but we're not the best fit for this. We're gonna be more expensive and it's not gonna be as good of a product. So let me recommend some other people that I think will be a better fit. But grab and his card and tell business. people about his company. <laughs> what you know was what that? I mean? To grab his business card and tell people about that company because that's a good, yeah, that's a good absolutely. great sale. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a mayor offense. And, and when I, when I talked to him, I, he didn't get my business for that fence, right? He was right. It wasn't a great fit, a great opportunity or a, a, a great fit, but I've since recommended multiple people that has been way more, way uh, more valuable for them than, 
than that one project and now we're talking about it right so there's a a lot of value in being able to walk away from things that aren't a good fit and it builds a lot of trust call it radical transparency right that's a term a lot of people are familiar with and just don't use enough but radical radical transparency is incredibly valuable looking back can you point your finger at maybe any one person or one event that kind of shaped your life or maybe inspired you i've had so many people <laughs> that helped guide me that is that is rough to narrow it down to one right one event and i i've actually shared it during this already was was reading that book it's even if you if you come to my house i've got that on display now because that that one book changed so much the team of rivals um and then a, another person obviously i want to bring up family and all of that because uh, they've been incredible but another person is actually the, the president over here at, at Sandler Trust Point, Tim Roberts. He's been one of my mentors since I started training here, since I was one of their clients. I, I sat down and, and asked for his guidance when I decided I was gonna join the military. And he was one of the very few that was actually supportive in that decision. It was a weird idea to suddenly drop my career and jump into the military. And, uh, and he was supportive, one of, the very, one of the only people that said that he actually thought that that was a good move to make. And then when I was getting ready to get out of the military, about a year before my contract ended, and I decided to jump back into civilian life, I called four mentors. And he was one of them. And I said, hey, I'm going to fly up. I'm going to sit down with you. And you're going to help me decide what to do because <laughs> I have such a weird background now. And so sat down with lunch, uh, I sat down to buy him lunch. And he ended up saying that they could use me here and gave me some really good guidance on, on how I could use what I've learned to, to be an effective trainer here. And now I get to learn from it. If you're not familiar with Tim Roberts, last year he was voted as the number one sales trainer in the world. But the guy is an absolute master at his craft. So being able to work with him every day, I'm, I'm learning more than anywhere I can imagine right now. That's good. That's I uh, appreciate you sharing that. Maybe what was what was one of the biggest challenges that you've had to face recently or in the past or maybe even in the military? Uh, so this is uh, it might be getting too personal for a, for a podcast. But it was <laughs> um, it's something that I think is important to talk about, especially I, working in mental health. I started to realize Oh, probably about two thirds of the way through through my military contract that I, I was I was getting slower. Uh, my mind wasn't working as as well as it had been. Uh, I wasn't having as much fun with my family. And and even though I worked in mental health, I wasn't seeing the signs that well, I was dealing myself with with depression. But I was having some of those symptoms and and not even recognizing it. Uh, luckily, my my wife did recognize it, brought it up, and and I was able to. To get help but that was it was it was probably about a six month period of time that still i mean my wife and i talk about it one of the most difficult times of my life i i never understood how how dark and difficult dealing with depression could be and it's not something that that i talk about very often but i think that it should be talked about more often because simply going in and getting some help and talking to the right people and and sitting down with a counselor to be able to get some of that stuff off my chest and, and working through some, some uh, uh, cognitive behavior 
therapy made all the difference. That I was able to walk out of that way stronger than when it started, uh, way happier than even when it started, and a better understanding of what other people are are dealing with, and that I can't can't necessarily judge um, others others' actions because I don't know you know where their where their thoughts are at the time. Now uh, that's that's really good, David. I appreciate you sharing that with us and with the listeners. That's. Uh... That's a great message. Well, maybe let's shift gears. Let's look at is there is there uh, a win or a success that you can point to, something that really makes you smile or that you're really proud about? Is there one that really stands out amongst all the others? So one that, yes, yes, I do have one that that is fun to talk about. So at the very beginning of my military career, right out of basic training and i told you my wife is pregnant when i went into it so right out of basic training my wife was super pregnant <laughs> and i went into tech training <laughs> which was three to four months really intensive study and i'm talking like college on steroids they have you in constant classes as soon as you're out of class you're studying and, and you're testing and you also have very little freedom in there you're not allowed to leave base for a large portion of it and so we we paid to have my wife uh, and and my son move down to Texas. They lived off base because we weren't allowed to live together at the time. So I had to stay on base. And she we did end up having our second child at that time. So she um, that was a a little bit of a challenge getting there. And I won't I won't dive into the story, but we had our second child while I was going through tech training. And it turned into I mean, the most impressive juggling of my life because it was uh, classes and study. And then while everybody else is studying, I'm going off and visiting my family and spending some time with my newborn and trying to figure out all of this at the same time. And a lot of people I talked to told me I had to, for that period of time, just cut my family out of it, right? If we had such a high fail rate that if you don't put everything into it, you're not gonna be able to survive and, and make it through tech training, you'd end up getting retrained into a different career path. And I decided wow. that my family was too important. My family was still a large part of the reason that I wanted to protect our country or serve our country. So I kept going the way we were and ended up graduating with the highest GPA in the school's history. Um, got several awards that put me on a really good path going forward. And it was it was just proof to me that, that family is, is not something that holds us back, that that gave me a lot of strength through that time and, and has in everything else I've done going forward as well. So you are clearly um, a leader in almost every role that you have uh, agreed to tackle in your life. Um, you know, first in terms of, you know, thank you for being vulnerable and mentioning the challenges with, uh, with mental health. Um, if I sprain my ankle riding my bike, um, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't think twice about mentioning it to Mark or anything else. But if I battle with, um, you know, exhaustion or down for a long period of time or have any of the clinical symptoms of any mental challenges, probably not something I'm going to mention to Mark, right? But it's, but it's, that is a, that is a much bigger challenge than this podcast can 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 address but um you know uh we have uh uh 
experiences in our family as well with that. And it's, uh, it's, it's something that needs to change. The dialogue and the community acceptance and the societal acceptance uh, needs, needs to change because it's so prevalent. And it really explains a lot of people's behavior sometimes. When I get to know people better and I'm like, oh, hey, you know what? You're not self-absorbed and a jerk and everything else. You were dealing with X, Y, and Z. Man, am I glad I got to know you. Right? Am I glad I, I understood? Now I know the reason behind your reaction to the same scenario that we saw. And many of the times, so much easier and short-term to treat than people think oh, of yeah. it as. I mean, if we if we treated it like heart disease, oh, yeah. then we'd be so much healthier. You can't you can't say, yeah, I, I think I have heart disease, but I'm going to ignore it and hope that it magically gets better at some point without making any changes. Right, but that's how right. we treat mental health. I I know that I'm not feeling but good, but I'm gonna ignore it until I feel good, and that that doesn't work very often. I mean, no, there, I mean telling people so telling people good... just to suck it up and just get tougher is like mm -hmm. saying, oh, you got heart disease, go grab another McDonald's double cheeseburger. It's like, yep, okay, absolutely. Okay, it's not gonna fix it. Do you realize that? That's excellent. Yes, I 100% agree. So, so that's why so, I think it needs to be talked about more, and then also just we need to. It almost sounds like I'm saying the opposite, but not make it such a big deal. Right. And if somebody has a problem, yeah, I understand. Go get help. Yep. Let's not yeah, make this We got to remove that stigma. Yep, yes. Absolutely. Well, that'll be our other podcast that we start. The social Yeah, clubs. I think, we, I think we've, got, we've got a new podcast already, and David will be the next guest on that. Sociology. No. <laughs> so, right. um, okay, so you're clearly a, a leader at a, at a much younger age than I ever was a leader. Um, how, what advice do you have? I mean, first of all, would you agree that people can lead regardless of title, right? Regardless of the title in their organization. I see it here because we're at a big company. When I was at smaller companies, I saw it. There were people in different roles that were just clearly leaders. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Yes, absolutely. So what advice would you give to somebody who feels like, well, I'm not the 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 I'm not the manager, so it's really might not be my case to um, give advice or to speak up. Um, what, what advice would you give to to younger people that want to make an impact? Probably two pieces of advice that have made a huge difference for me. One is something that I got from, I believe it's called the the Laws of Success. It's by Napoleon Hill. If I got the name the name of the book wrong, the the author is at least right. And he said to always do more work than you're getting paid for. And that I think is one of one of the big indicators that you're a valuable leader is that you're doing more than you're getting paid for. The other thing that I recommend, and I heard this in another interview to with a, a local entrepreneur, and he said to do hard things on purpose. And I just thought that was amazing. And he brought up that he is he goes out and, and very uh, purposefully picks difficult tasks to accomplish and does it so that when something hits him that he's not expecting, he's already built up the, the mental and physical ability to be able to handle that type of pressure and anxiety and, and get through it, you know, feeling good and, and accomplishing something. So when, when I'm going at something, it is now with that mindset all the time, am I, 
am I doing difficult things on purpose, right? And am I going to be learning something from this that is going to help me going forward? That is excellent advice, especially yeah, for, like for millennial listeners, right? I would say, and, and, I, and I coach our team here, which, you know, generally could all be my children almost. I hate to say that. But um, I always say, speak up. Right. Please speak up in the meetings. Like, please do not think because don't think for a second that we won't take that advice. Right. Because they see things that we don't see. Oftentimes we are creating rules or models in a tower or in a, in a vacuum. And then we're just trying to execute and implement them. And we don't see some of the hurdles that um, younger people could could see in their roles. And uh, I, I think and in all fairness, the other side of that is if you don't speak up, you can't sit there and bitch and complain that we're leading yep. you down a bad path because <laughs> everybody's got the chance to guide us and to let us um, execute in the best and, and most helpful way to them, to, to them and to the organization. Yes, completely. And do it over and over again, right? I think so many times, and I, I even think about with my going through this that I take some type of risk and I put so much pressure on that that it almost feels overbearing but once you do that consistently you do it over and over again there's there's less pressure on one thing working or on on one thing I say being heard just speak up over and over again and and you won't feel as anxious when it comes up the next time that's so one of the one of the driving forces behind why David and I do this is to help share ideas and thoughts with leaders and, and how they can build their brands and how they can also protect them. As David had mentioned about ensuring the longevity of the brand. Um, so in that, that manner of thinking, is there anything that you can look to uh, ways that you protect your organization's brand, whether it be from, you know, economy or competition or cybercrime or even protect the reputation? Uh, do you have any, any thoughts or ideas around that that you'd like to share? Integrity first. Uh, when I was, Great. when I decided I wanted to join the military, uh, I actually met with all of the different branches, and there were there was a lot that made me kind of lean towards the Air Force. But one of the big things is when I sat down with them and they told me that their principles were integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. And I thought, shoot, that's what I believe too, <laughs> right? So I want to <laughs> I want to be a part of that. And I think that's important for any organization I'm in and for my own personal brand. But if I follow, if I go into everything with that idea of integrity first, and I really give it all I've got, right? Not just integrity and then laziness, those don't go together, but integrity first and give it all I got, things have to work out, right? It may not immediately, but things have to work out in the long run that way. How are you defining yeah. integrity? Because I have my I, I don't want to just, yeah, I don't, I don't actually know like dictionary definition, but to me, integrity is, is doing the right things when people are watching and when they're not. Exactly. And I hear so yep. often people to talk yep. about the importance of not just when, of, of when people aren't watching, but I think sometimes it's even harder when people are, right? If I've got peer pressure to go and make a poor business decision or make a poor personal decision, often that's harder than making that right decision when no one else is around. So putting equal emphasis on, I just make the right decisions no matter who's there or who's not there. Oh, you know what? I never even thought of it that way. I always 
told my kids and and I've always thought of integrity as when you're alone in the room and you can make a decision on something and no one would ever find out you you'd never get caught are you still doing the right thing if you're still doing the right thing knowing that you won't get caught that to me is integrity because when you leave that room eventually someone's going to find out anyway right or even yeah. if they don't or even if they don't you know but you bring up a good point and that is even when they are noticing and they are watching and there's pressure to have those extra drinks at the party or there's pressure to do to go to some event that maybe you shouldn't or to to do something later whatever the issue is right or the challenges the environment the scenario um but to but to do the right thing given that pressure yeah yes. i think we, uh, we called it I think I may have to change my my integrity mantra now uh, after David's. So my mine has always been always do the right thing, even when no one is watching. So now I may have to add a caveat to that. So thank you, David. Thank you for challenging me on that. <laughs> You're right. So one of the things my parents always say growing up is that do do the right thing, let the consequences follow. And so that's that stuck with me my whole life. And and the reason that that aspect of integrity sticks out so much is. In the Air Force, they call it pencil whipping. When when you're trying to go through a project and everybody else is in a hurry and they're making you rush and they're asking you to just pencil whip, right? Just put the check mark, say you did it and move on. It's a lot easier to succumb and take shortcuts when people are putting pressure on you to take shortcuts than when you're working on your own. Yep, exactly. What are some of the ways that you're, um, that you're able to leverage technology in your position? Um, to push your brand, to, to get your brand out there. Shoot, this is an air, like we, we could have a whole podcast. About right, this. that's what I, 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 I think <laughs> I know the answer to this. I, I know Maybe one or two area. top, maybe your top two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. Yeah, this is an area that I just, I love to geek out. This is a blast. So one tool that, I mean, every, most people are utilizing now, just not as effectively as they could, is LinkedIn. LinkedIn now has 27, a little over 27% of the US population on it. It is the most powerful business network in the world, right? So using LinkedIn to leverage my brand has made a bigger difference than about anything else that I can think of. And that's everything from, you know, optimizing my profile. So that it's actually interesting when people are on there and cause some type of action to the type of posts that I do and the lead generation, the filters that I'm using. So LinkedIn, if, if we're talking technology, LinkedIn is, it, it is the 800 pound gorilla in the room. The, the other that I want to hit on, and I'm glad to see more people picking up on this, is the power of video, right? And, and this really stuck out to me. I was, I was at a powder keg event and somebody was presenting from CoVideo, a, a local tech startup. And he brought up this awesome example. He said, if you're sitting down and you're reading about a sports game in the paper, there may be some type of excitement associated with that, right? But if you go and you watch that same game in a video and you hear the cheering and you see what's happening, that's gonna give you a lot more adrenaline than sitting down and reading it. But in business, it's still so reliant on the written text that our emails are typically just text. Our, even on, on LinkedIn, on, we, we text messages, right? We've, we've grown so accustomed to just sending words back and forth. 
so what CoVideo does and, and other companies and what I'm glad to see is starting to catch on is sending videos back and forth because that brings a lot more emotion and much more effectively conveys your message and your brand than any amount of words on a piece of paper could do. That's great. I, thanks. I appreciate that. Now I've got to re-examine some of my strategies. Appreciate that. But think about it, Mark. I mean, even when, when COVID first started and we were trying to reach out to clients to see how they were managing remote work and things like that, right? Um, we were using video to reach out to oh, yeah. facilities like YouTube and, and LinkedIn. And then we started using video through email, right? Because, yep. we, because when they could see us and they could hear us, they could realize, look, we're not being salesy. We're not like, hey, hope everything is well, blah, 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 blah. And it sounds like every other email, like I get 200 some a day and I delete, delete, delete. I don't pay attention to it, right? But when somebody sends me a video and it's only 30 seconds, I'll probably listen to it. And it's just like, right. hey guys, was just checking, you know, hope all is well and just really want to know, you know, do you have time for a virtual coffee or do you have time to get together? And, and so we can share ideas of what we're seeing other people in your boat. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad to see that that's starting to take off a little bit more. I think it's a, a much more fun way of doing business. That's cool. It, you know, tagging on what Mark was asking, are you seeing the leveraging of technology and the the effect of the risks that it brings um, on, on, on any of the brands? Or, or are you not engaged in that aspect when you're dealing with businesses? Because we are, we, we see what happens when things go go wrong from a data breach or from something like that, or when you know, people have just sold them a bunch of products without a plan and without any support in place. And it's just a mess and, and technology gets in their way. So I'm just curious what you're seeing when you're talking to these, these business owners and leaders. I think a lot of that stems from a lack of education about the possibilities with technology and risks associated with it. Something, and I'm not going to mention name for this, but a, a tech company, they, one of the, um, one of the things they do is cybersecurity. And I got an email from them, uh, talking about, you know, this is how you take care of your, yourself. This is how you stay safe. And then two days later, I got an email from them asking me to click on a link and it turns out they were hacked. Right. Oh, so, no. wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I think this is, just rampant all, all across the board that, that people don't understand or or do even if they do understand right they just taught me how to do it and then and then they got hacked anyway uh, just uh, uh, not understanding how to take care of ourselves in a digital world and I think a, a little piece of me feels like that's because it accelerated faster than we were expecting right I was my view for the future is that we would be doing more things like zoom meetings and using video more in, in our prospecting and our sales, that that was gonna become a major part of business. I didn't think it was gonna happen this year. That accelerated yeah. so fast with the pandemic. So I think there is a lot of good associated with that, but there's also a lot of risk because we started using things faster than we were educated for it. I was yeah, amazed exactly. at how few people, I was amazed at how few people were even comfortable using platforms like Zoom and video and things like that. And they've been available to everybody for years. Like why, like everyone's like, oh yeah. my gosh, we have to send our, our sales force to work from home. And I'm like, 
how is this news? Like, how are you guys not leveraging that? Why were you spending all that money in commercial real estate rent to, so that they could go to the office and then leave to go to their meetings? And like, what were you guys doing in the first place? Like leverage yeah. advances in technology, right? Evolve. Right. Well, as we kind of bring this together, um, there's always one question I always like to ask, David, and this is kind of even more on a personal note. So as you were growing up, or if you can look back and remember, um, what did what did you want to be when you grew up and why? I wanted to be what Elon Musk is right now, actually. <laughs> when I grew up, that was, um, I, I had plans for ways that I was going to harness lightning. Uh, I went to school <laughs> for entrepreneurship. I mean, I had, it was, it was a, a very long time goal. And that was before Elon Musk was Elon Musk, right? This was, right. Um, I, I wanted to be the, the Tesla before Tesla was a car. So um, that's, that's where I was moving with things. And then I discovered that I am, I'm a lot better with people and with process than I am <laughs> with memorizing data and figuring out uh, scientific formulas. So I kind of moved in a direction that, that better suits my particular uh, gifts and abilities, but that's not something I've written off completely. Someday I might get back into the science game a little bit and see if I can play around some, with some inventions. Well, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. It, I like to see that you've, uh, you're one of the few people that we get to talk to that ask that. Usually it's uh, wanted to be an astronaut or a fireman or a cowboy and I look like you chose a course and it appears to me with all enthusiasm and passion you have, you're still on that same course. So congratulations. Well, I've, I've always been obsessed with business. I mean, it was during that time, it was going to be, you know, very scientific business, but always obsessed with business. When I was younger, I had a lemonade stand and I, I beat out the competitor from up the road. Right. And when I did Boy Scout popcorns, I was overly competitive with that and I won't go into that story. And then when I was in elementary school and we had a, you know, one of those, you, you create an economic world and me and my friend teamed up, created a monopoly and shut down the program early. Like it has always been just such a fun thing for me, what you can create uh, in business. So this is, this has always been a, a dream and a goal of mine. It's just pushing forward in, in the different possible avenues that it can take you. Well, uh, David, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I've learned yep. from you and yep. uh, I'm, I'm sure the listeners have, but uh, thanks for everything. Thanks for your, your insight. And I will tell you that um, this conversation and everything is definitely not over. We're definitely going to talk again. And yep. uh, uh, I will definitely be uh, referring you to many people I know. So uh, thank you so much for, for, for your time and expertise. Thank you. This is, and you've got a new fan to your podcast. I'm glad I know about this now. That's great. Well, now, now, job now the ones I've and knowing to. you, we're going to have to make it interesting. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do typically listen to podcasts at a 1.7 speed, so it, it keeps my interest. <laughs> awesome. Right. There we go. Well, thank you so much, man. That's great. Have a great thank day. You. And we will see you. And uh, thanks, everyone, uh, for listening. We'll, uh, we'll thanks, we'll David. Talk to you guys soon.
Hey, David, that was another good episode. Really went well. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe, turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it.